Hello and welcome to our third Adventure Films podcast. This is a series of ten podcasts where we've been looking at, or we're going to look, at ten adventure films. Um, you can read um, the introductory post on this blog and that will explain basically what the project is and how um, I fairly, well not arbitrarily, but um, with, without uh, a very definite definition of what an adventure film is, chose these ten Ten of my kind of favourite, perennially favourite adventure films. Um, so, so far we've done King Kong, the 1933 version, and um, The Man Who Would Be King. Um, and that was a John Houston film from uh, the 70s. And this one is all about an earlier John Houston film called The Treasure of the Sierra Madre from 1948. Um, my name's Garen Ewing, and I'm a comic artist and writer. I do an adventure comic called The Rainbow Orchid, and I'll be discussing this film, as with all the films, with my brother Murray Ewing. Hello, I'm Murray. Um, I write short stories, usually fantasy and horror, or anything which takes my fancy. Now, you've obviously seen Treasure of Sierra Madre yes. now, yeah. but you weren't sure if you'd seen it before, earlier. How, yeah. Did you recognise it as something you had seen before? I'm still not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. sat there watching it thinking, this looks familiar. <laughs> I may, I've got a feeling that if I had seen it before, it might have been late at night, and I might have fallen asleep to part <laughs> <of> it. <laughs> right. Because I, there was a point where I thought, I don't know how this is going to turn out. And I had an idea, and it was slightly wrong. But, um, right. Yeah. So, so the film was a surprise. I mean, you didn't think, oh, I, I recognise this. Yeah, no, it's funny. I, there were bits where I thought, yeah. I mean, the main bit I recognised was something that you keep on saying. I thought, oh, that's where Garen gets it from, which is, we don't need no stinking badges. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, we'll maybe talk a bit about that later. And, um, yes, I keep forgetting that's from this film. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you was, I, I was a bit, had a bit of trepidation about you seeing this film because the others are very much adventure films in a kind of a classic sense and quite mm. often they've got a little bit of fantasy this is I, i've sometimes said that in my fuzzy definition of adventure films that another genre can sometimes trump yeah advent the, the genre of adventure films so yeah um to give an example someone said you know oh, the matrix is yeah. an adventure film and it is of course but i said well i think science fiction is the stronger yeah yeah um and that so it hasn't got that kind of classic adventure the journey the quest um yeah. uh, man against nature kind of thing that we've been discussing uh, so the other genre of this which may be stronger is western although yeah. it's not well i don't know what it's not you your think? classic western with indians and uh stagecoaches and yeah i mean it's not it's not it's not uh Ameri native american no indians anyway it's i mean i i didn't even think of it as a western i thought of it as historically set but uh did you think it really? was an adventure film did did you think did you think why is this in here when you saw it? Oh, no, no, I definitely got the feeling. In fact, it even helps me to understand what I think an adventure film is, which we'll come to later, I'm sure. Yes, yes. I, in fact, I, I, I had a, a little <laughs> epiphany thinking, oh, yes, that also should go into my definition. Yeah. Right, we'll, we'll talk about that later then. So some bare facts on the film. It's um, 1948, as I said, and uh, directed by John Houston. This is his second entry. Uh, I think that's actually his only two entries into our ten films, but that's pretty good yeah I mean, is he the only one who, the only director who's got two <laughs> um, I believe so let's have a quick look yes I think I think he is I mean yeah, there are other connections 
for instance, the music's by Max Steiner, and he has three entries. Oh, really? So he did the music for King Kong, oh. uh, this one, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, and the music for She. Oh, right. Which I particularly love the music for She. Oh. Um, in fact, I've almost bought it several times and I keep and since I wanted to buy it again I've not been able to find it anyway, <laughs> let's, let's stay on track um, um, it stars Humphrey Bogart uh, Tim Holt and Walter Houston who was John Houston's father and it won three Oscars I think um, for yeah. best director best screenplay um, screenplay was written by John Houston and best supporting actor was for his father Walter Houston oh, really? in 1948 and a little factoid <laughs> Um, John Houston's, I think, the only director who's directed both his father and his daughter, separate films, but, and they've both won Oscars. And, of course, he's won Oscars himself. Wow. Um, his daughter is Angelica Houston. Yeah, yes. Um, the Adams family. Yeah, that's the only one I can uh, Yes, well, this, uh, the, her Oscar was for Pritzi's Honour, which I think I've seen once ages ago. I think it's got Jack Nicholson in. Yeah. No, no recognition on your face. <laughs> That's fine. The other fact about this film is it's based on a novel by a chap called B. Traven. It's a 1927 uh, book, and he's a very mysterious character. Um, no one really knows who he is or was. Apparently, he did show up on set, but he pretended to be. Well, some people. It's just this thing. It's very confusing. Uh, this was filmed in Mexico, and he he met the film crew in Mexico. Um, but said he said they, they were expecting B. Traven, but he said he wasn't B. Traven. He was his lawyer or something, but had free <laughs> reign. And some people suspect that was actually the author. John Houston um, didn't think it was the author. Interestingly, mm. anyway, that's a whole thing that there have been books written about him, programs <laughs> about him, and and I think there's a lot of research on that. That mm. you know, I, I've only read very lightly around it, so I'm not qualified to get too heavy yeah. into that. But it's an interesting yeah. um, suspect. So I mean, I've only ever really heard about this film through you, I must say. So, But I didn't realise it had won Oscars, and obviously it's got a major director. So wh where did you first see it? And I think it's one of those films. I was one Sunday afternoon or something, switched on the TV, probably missed the first ten minutes, Yeah. got into it, and sat there for the next hour and a half, um, was gobsmacked. Yes, yes. And then... Um, it was on TV again and I recorded it so for ages I had it on a video yeah. and watched it you know, several times mm. just on my home video and in fact I tried to get it on DVD and it hasn't been available apart from on a box set so if you want this film you have to get it as part of a Humphrey Bogart um, certainly on Region 2 in the UK a Humphrey Bogart box set but it's a box set worth getting because it's got uh, Casablanca The Treasure of the Sierra Madre High Sierra I think that was his first film with John Houston. I might have got that wrong. Um, and The Maltese Falcon. So four you know, yeah. top films there. Um, so worth getting. Um, so I've only just bought the DVD earlier this year, actually. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's where I saw it. I accidentally came across it. And I just thought... The thing that struck me about it was... You know, it's a film from the 40s. But yeah. the acting is fantastic. It's yeah. very naturalistic. Um, but the story is obviously again the, with, as with all brilliant things it's the story that really does it mm, that's, that's yeah. the thing that matters in everything <laughs> yeah I think some of the films that I like the most I've come across in that way not knowing anything about them you sit down you have no expectations in, and then you think at the end of it that was really satisfying <laughs> yes which is quite rare really <laughs> yeah yeah well that was one of these films for me definitely mm. um, so it's set 
in I think in 1925 uh, in a town in Mexico and Humphrey Bogart plays a guy down his luck pretty much a I don't, wouldn't call him a tramp but um, he's certainly uh, begging money and I don't know if you know the guy he asks he asks the same bloke three times in a tall guy in a white suit and that's John Houston oh but actually did you notice the very first shot shows a newspaper the date is the 14th of February 1925 right so Valentine's Day ah but the point is Humphrey Bogart is checking the uh, the winning tickets in the lottery. Yes. And I wondered if that's a sort of subtle comment that on the 14th of February, the only thing he's got to do, he's not <laughs> looking, even looking in the personal columns or the news, right. the only thing he's got to do is he's looking for <clears throat> money. Yes. So it's almost like he loves money. Yes. Well, <laughs> when you've got none mm. and uh, you need it to feed yourself and all that, uh, I guess that it's easy to become obsessed yes. with it. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, rightfully... So, so the first part we get to know him, he's walking around begging for money off, only off fellow Americans. Yeah. Of course, I mean, that's obviously his thing that he's found works. You know, you know when you go to Victoria Station, you've got people sometimes come up to you and say, oh, you know, I've, I need to get home, I've lost my ticket. That's their... Or, yes. or sometimes you go to a petrol station, they say, oh, oh that's my car, I've run out of petrol, I really need to get home, I've got no money, if you send me your address. <laughs> mm. uh, everyone's got their thing, and that's, that's his story. thing that works. Yeah. Uh, but he, he meets up with the other character Tim Tim Holt who plays Bob Curtin and they kind of form a little well they they are thrown together when they go and get a job mm. they're offered a job by this guy Pat <laughs> and off they go to build um, Ray's camp yes it's called. Yeah. and uh, they end up not getting yeah it's, it's very it, hard work and they they're promised pay at the end of it when they step off the ferry coming back into Tampico and of course you just know it's going to happen but the bloke says Oh, the agent was supposed to meet me here with the money. I'll just go and find him. And you know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't come back. I've got to say earlier, I think the second time Humphrey Bogart's given money, yeah. there's quite a good little scene that I think is worth mentioning. Is he, he goes to the barber and gets all spruced up. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which is quite an amusing scene. Yeah, the barber's yeah. a bit of a comedy character. And it's, uh, quite often in films, um, the bar- and if it's got a barber... Yeah. scene in it <laughs> they're quite often funny <laughs> um, anyway but he comes out and uh, sees a girl and it's yeah. obviously a prostitute <laughs> and you see her him following her she goes up some steps disappears after giving him a look and he walks in after her and then next thing you see is him coming out this is 1948 oh and, uh, right you know no um, so that was obviously very very coded heavily encoded well I, I no, the thing that surprised me is it wasn't that heavily encoded oh, right. well I didn't notice it um, <laughs> um, there's other films like Charlie Chaplin's Monsieur Verdoux yeah he takes in a streetwalker I think he's going to poison he wants to try out some poison I think on her um, but she's referred I couldn't remember what it is I haven't seen the film for a while but she's not referred to as a streetwalker it's kind of you, you know, right. once you know about these things you think oh that's what she actually is um, there's some other word in this I don't don't think there's any doubt yeah. Um, yeah it's not it's not someone Humphrey Bogart knows she's walking in a provocative manner she goes into a, a building and, and he he follows her, he follows oh, right. her in yeah, yeah. and then you know cut him coming out yeah. can't remember if he's got a grin on his face <laughs> <laughs> I love the scene where they catch up with... There's, there's a little storytelling thing where when they're making the camp and they say, oh, we haven't seen any money yet. Mm. When are you going to pay us? And just with the, with the addition of when are you going to pay us, 
pat mm. shows that there's a friendly relationship or there's some trust there mm. you know, without the pat when you're going to pay us it's threatening uh, when you add pat yeah um it's just just a little thing about writing how the same phrase is said in two different ways changes the meaning completely yes. you, you add a name um you add familiarity without the name it can be a threat i mean obviously depending on other things yes and yeah. thing but there's a great scene they see him later and they yeah. catch up with him and it ends up with a fight. Yeah, it's a, I thought the two things about the fight was it's very violent because yes. actually you see him kicking him in the face at one yeah, point yeah, when yeah. he's on the ground and also it's very fumbly. Yeah. Which reminded me of Rainbow Orchid actually. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> also Hitchcock who did who liked to do, who did this murder scene where I can't remember the film now something Curtain. Anyway. Torn, torn Curtain? Yeah, it might be Torn Curtain where they have to murder someone and it just takes forever and they start trying to put his head in an oven and then they just try to <laughs> batter him to death right, and yes. he just won't die. And yep. of course this is all quite realistic. Yes. Uh, but it, it seemed to me really violent for the times, you well, know. The, the bad thing about the fight scene was the stuntmen. I don't know if you noticed, but oh, yeah. to me it was so obvious that the long shots, not that long, that they were so different, the oh. people, that I actually distracted me a bit. Oh, I mean, right. I did think it was a great fight scene, Yeah, but they were so different. There's even a shot where there's Humphrey Bogart, the fight, the stand-in, yeah. and then it kind of almost, I think it, it just sort of cuts away and back to him straight away, and suddenly he's taller, a bit less hair, and, you know, it's Humphrey Bogart in the <laughs> place. Um, I mean, it, you obviously mm. you didn't notice No, it. I didn't notice that. So, it's funny, because I've been watching... Uh, the original series of Star Trek and there it's really noticeable as soon as there's a fight uh, Kirk gains hair and things like oh, that oh really oh <laughs> you know so I noticed it in that maybe it's just that it was colour oh. I was going to say maybe the black and whiteness makes mm. it a bit more obscure um, and I'm sure if you're getting into it it may be because I've seen it several times yeah um, that's what it, it, my attention was drawn to it anyway yeah but the notable thing about that at the end I think is they take his wallet and take his money but even though he's down and out on the ground they, and he's got a lot of money they mm. only take what he owes them yes they, yeah. they, they take a little extra for the barman yeah. to pay for the damage <laughs> and, the, and the bottle and, and drinks but they give him his, his wallet and the rest of the money back mm. which shows I mean at the beginning Humphrey Bogart's not necessarily that likeable you think he's a bit of a there's nothing likeable about him particularly yeah we see him throw a glass of water in the boy's face who's trying to sell him a ticket yeah so he's he's not very sympathetic but then we start to see a bit of fairness mm. you know i'll do all right by you if you do all right by me yes and he he and curtain uh, give the money back mm. um, um the leftover money they leave it with him yeah if actually when they leave the bar it reminded me of star wars the way han solo leaves the bar <laughs> and says I can't remember the line, sorry for the mess, you know, and gives him yeah. some money. Oh. Here they say, uh, is, for, is for the drinks and the use of the bar or something, meaning they just had a fight in the bar yes. and needs to pay for the damages. Now, um, they spend a night in a DOS house. Now, that's before the, they see yes, Pat, isn't it? Yes. Because they don't have money then. Mm. And that's where they we meet Walter Houston, who yeah. plays... Um, Howard. Howard, I was going to say Harold. Howard. <laughs> and he's talking about his gold digging days yeah. so that sows the seed of um... I think this is the best scene in the film yeah. I really loved it when I saw it because it's one of those scenes where you realise he's telling you the entire plot <laughs> yes. and he's saying he's telegraphing what's going to happen because he this old man has obviously done a lot of prospecting for gold and he's totally practical minded mm. he knows that you're not going to make a fortune yeah. he says of every, of every thousand who go looking for gold 999 don't find it so he said 
that is you know an awful waste of manpower and he's explaining that's why it's so valuable yes. it's not actually a very useful thing yeah um but it's it's you know so that represents something like 500 years manpower to yes. find yeah. or something like that yeah and also he knows exactly what how people behave when they find gold and he's yes. saying you know it's just like um just like roulette you 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 win and you say oh one more time oh you're losing and you say one more time one more time one more time and then you've got nothing just and one more says, so you you get greedy he says you've got to know when to stop and he says uh what he talks about what gold does to men's souls yes and uh when you find gold that's when the trouble starts yes <laughs> when the piles begin to grow that's when the trouble starts yeah of course humphrey bogart says i wouldn't be like that i'd know when to stop <laughs> yeah yeah but the thing i thought was really good was the look on his face he looks just so hungry uh bogart yeah, uh, yeah. bogart when the old man is talking about gold humphrey bogart's got no money and he you can just see him so hungry for that gold and everything it'll bring him and he says well, I'm going to sleep to dream about yes. piles of gold um, uh, Walter Houston is brilliant in that scene yes. he's, he's <laughs> quite funny but he's so naturalistic that he he's the character who when I said naturalistic acting uh, and he's he he's an older generation I mean he's yeah. in his late 60s I think I'm not sure if this was the last film he made or he might have made one more because yeah. he died in 1950, I think. I might have got that wrong. Yeah. So just a couple of years later after this film. As I say, he won an Oscar for it, deservedly. Mm. But he'd been in vaudeville oh, really? in his younger days, so he was an actor. But you might think he might be quite, you know, the old-style actor. Yeah. But in a way, he's the most naturalistic yeah. actor. And I wonder if he's the origin or if he's a stereotype of that kind of... Yosemite Pete type <laughs> character you get on funfair rides yes. I can't remember at Disneyland or something yeah like come on in <laughs> the old prospector in yes. Toy Story well that's another one <laughs> I remember seeing him earlier I don't know if it was at Disneyland but yeah, uh, quite often the, the, the railroad yeah. um, thingy <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Big Dipper <laughs> you Big Dipper type thingy <laughs> what, what are <laughs> <laughs> roller coaster, roller coaster. Yes, I knew that all along. Um, yes, uh, yeah, that kind of with a with a, a clay pipe and a, a jig, yeah. and he does do a jig later. Yeah. Um, but he, I, I, I did wonder: is that where that comes from, mm. or is he playing on that stereotype? Yes. I'm not sure. Yeah, um, he, he could be the origin, couldn't he? Um, but yeah, that scene mm. is very strong, and he 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 really does say he basically lays out how greed. Yeah, it can be the downfall, and the thing to do is to get just enough and then quit. Yes, um, of course that lesson is not easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, then they have the fight. They get the money. They yeah. get the idea. Well, what can they do next? Let's how That's about going for the gold? Yeah. So they go and find the old man because they need him. Mm. He's got the experience. It's quite important that hit that uh, Humphrey Bogart and his partner Curtin don't know anything and that's really underlined in some later scenes yes yes so they need the old man because he knows everything <laughs> they're providing the money and presumably the youth you think mm -hmm. but <laughs> it turns out the old man is in fact, quite... they, they actually think he may um, slow them down a little don't they yeah but, yeah but they need his experience completely the opposite <laughs> they don't have quite enough money they've got the money off Pat mm. um, but then Bogart wins his lottery ticket yes and that gives him enough money to pay for him and Curtin yes he's, he's totally generous well I'll, I'll bring you in you know you yeah. can pay me later because he says the difference now won't matter at all later on mm. and yeah. you, you know oh I bet that's going to come up <laughs> <laughs> that's right 
Say, answer me this, will you? Why is gold worth some 20 bucks an ounce? I don't know, because it's scarce. A thousand men say go searching for gold. After six months, one of them's lucky. One out of the thousand. His find represents not only his own labor, but that of 999 others to boot. That's uh, 6,000 months or 500 years, scrabbling over mountains, going hungry and thirsty. Now, to gold, mister, is worth what it is because of the human labor that went into the finding and the getting of it. Never thought of it just like that. Well, there's no other explanation, mister. Gold itself ain't good for nothing except for making jewelry with gold teeth. <laughs> ah, gold's a devilish sort of a thing anyway. You start out to tell yourself you'd be satisfied with 25,000 handsome smaggers worth of it. So help my lord and cross my heart. Fine resolution. <laughs> After months of sweating yourself dizzy and growing short on provisions and finding nothing, you finally come down to 15,000, then 10. Finally, you say, Lord, let me just find $5,000 worth and never ask for anything more the rest of my life. $5,000 is a lot of money. Mm. Yeah, here in this joint seems like a lot, but I tell you, if it was to make a real strike, you couldn't be dragged away. Not even the threat of miserable death would keep you from trying to add 10,000 more. 10, you'd want to get 25, 25, you'd want to get 50, 50, 100, like roulette. One more turn, you know, always one more. <laughs> it wouldn't be that way with me. I swear it wouldn't. I take only what I set out to get. Even if there's still a half a million dollars worth lying around waiting to be picked up. I've dug in Alaska and Canada and Colorado. I was with the crowd in the British Honduras where it made my fare back home and almost enough over to cure me of the fever I'd caught. Dug in California and Australia, all over the world practically. <laughs> yeah, I know what gold does to men's souls. So, um, and I think one of the things about this is is about adventure stories is earlier we've talked about how an adventure is I mean I mentioned during the Man Who Would Be King podcast that it's kind of um, the struggle of man on a map on a <laughs> in a geographical way so you have to go on a journey yes um, but it's also yeah the man pitting against nature yeah, type thing. yeah. but this is this is very much, although there is a journey and there is that aspect, it's not the strong part. The strong part is the internal yes. aspect of adventure, yeah. where you're really fighting against yourself. Mm. Um, and, you know, do you win or lose? Well, <laughs> in a sense, it's a, it's a tragedy, the you mm. know, basic setup, because you've got the character whose floor brings him down. And we're told the floor at the beginning, well, well I suppose you can pick it up pretty much. It's not... It's not really broadcast, but you pick it's it up. It's telegraphed fairly yeah. um, openly, I think, mm. and you, you, you know, there's no surprises the way this is going to go. Yeah. I imagine, but I mean, it's the way the story's told is yeah. is the brilliance of it. Actually, one thing I was going to say about the old man, linking it to the last film, we uh, we were talking in um, Man Who Would Be King about Billy Fish, the translator, mm. who. Um, as well as being a translator, teaches the uh, teaches the two adventurers about the culture they're in. Really, the old man is that character here. He teaches them about the culture of gold, right? And also about the land they're going to. He's the one who knows where to find gold and everything. Yes, yes. Uh, so he's sort of like that translator character. Yeah, that's, a, that's <laughs> an excellent point. And um, the other thing that relates it to the man who would be king is again success when you're united. Yes. As soon as that starts to fall apart, you know, when you're out in these strange lands these lost worlds as long as you stick together you're fine as soon as the group starts to stick together whether that's um, peachy and drabbit or or this bunch yeah um that's when it starts to go wrong yes um so that's that's another kind of i suppose it's an eternal moral of a story yeah you know friendship um, mm. staying together that will get you through it yeah um greed and selfishness then yeah, yeah you had it yes <laughs> Of course, you, you could say another take on it is that it's not a morality story so much as it's saying 
man is flawed and this will always happen. Yes, um, nothing that's true. <laughs> really, there's nothing Bogart could do about it. His character is going to No, fail. I mean, the lesson is laid out for him. Mm. He's told what gold does and he still doesn't learn it. Yeah. And that's the story of humankind. Yes. We don't learn our lessons. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, we're kind of um, going to keep repeating them. So one interesting thing about the three characters who set out is, I think I'm right in saying, is I sort of thought they were... There's the young one who's Curtin... Mm. And then there's the middle-aged one who's Bogart. Even though he says, I'm still young, I think... I don't know if it's just Hollywood, because stars could... Established stars could play quite young characters, but I took him as being middle-aged. Yeah, well, I mean, it's different now. Mm. It's a world of youth. I mean, yes. uh, you know, by the time you're 20-something, you're mm. over the hill. Back then, the stars were older men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, of course, then we've got the old man, and they've got three completely different attitudes mm. to what what happens to them, and their future dreams right yes because the old man is pretty much he's very practical pragmatic and he says I just want enough to retire and I just want a grocer's shop uh, the young man uh, is quite romantic but he's still quite you know he still has a a dream that is worth going for he wants he he's says, an idealist to some degree yeah, isn't he but what he wants to do is settle down um his dream is to be a peach farmer. Yeah. You know, because he had a nice experience on a peach farm before. And then Bogart is the middle-aged man, and you just get the feeling that he's a bit desperate. He's past the point where he can look forward to most of his life, as it were. Yes, his youth's gone. <laughs> yeah, and so he hasn't got... He's the, probably my age. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't got the, the romanticism of the youth, and he hasn't got the pragmatism of the old-age man. He's yes. struggling with that middle age, midlife crisis where he says, God, I haven't made it. I need to make it now. And that could be what... So there's a kind of a desperation. Yeah. Um, he would have been... No, he would have been older than me. Few. He was born yeah. in 1899, so he would have been you know, 48 mm. or so. Yeah. Uh, I'm 42. I'm approaching the age of Bogart's greed. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm going through... Moving on through the film. Yeah. They, they, they get together. They've needed the money. They've bought what they need, including guns, yes. which is a precious commodity mm. in Mexico in 1925. And the train is uh, attacked by bandits, which they join in defending. Yeah. Bogart gets extremely excited that he almost kills the one in the golden hat. Yes. Says, which obviously, the, man, the bandit in the golden hat, or yellow hat, I can't remember which it is, comes back. Yeah. But then... Twice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, Bogart's really excited about how he performed in this fight. But then the conductor or someone from the train yes. walks along and says something. There's the, the soldiers. And he mentions that there are soldiers on board. I wondered if that was supposed to say that it wasn't Bogart who shot them, but the ah, soldiers did. That's a really good point. I mean, I thought... <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't quite think that, but I, yeah. it, it did stand out. And I did, I did think, just, is the conductor, does the conductor think the soldiers on board? And actually it was them, but actually he'd know the soldiers on board. Yeah. And I think that's a very good point that maybe <laughs> they were shooting and missing everything and it was the yes. soldiers who hit. Yeah, yeah. I like that. But I like Bogart that interpretation. Thinks, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. It yeah. would fit his character as well. Mm. Now, there's a bit where my next sort of favourite scene is where they're buying the donkeys, the mm. borrows. Yes. And um, the guy who's selling them mm-hmm. is telling them of the dangers they're going to face, which include jungles, mountains that reach up into the clouds, and tigers so big and strong... Um, that they can climb a tree with a burrow in, in their, their mouth, mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and that 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 that's the sort of journey into the mm. unknown. And there's the the mythical aspect here, the the giant tigers. Of course, yes. there aren't tigers in Me- Mexico, but 
they're mentioned several times. I, I presume they're yeah. talking about jaguars or. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I assumed it was some. Yeah, it was just the word they had for them. Yeah, they call them tigers. Or, yeah. yeah. Um, there is a um, at the end, the skins on the donkeys. There is yes. a kind of a jaguar oh, right. spotted. I presume, or I presume that's what it is. Yeah. Anyway, but but that the point is, this is the. I think there's a point in every adventure where it's mentioned what you've got to go through. Yes. I mean, so in a way, you don't have to then show it all. Mm. Um, but you do have to show the journey, of course, on these adventures. That's part of... That's a lot of what the adventure is, is going on the journey. Yeah. That's all of what it is, probably. Um, but this really sets up the... They're going into this... They don't say... <laughs> no, we've talked about this in the other two, where no white man has been before. Yeah. Uh, this slightly unfortunate phrase. This is not said in this one, thankfully. But it is kind of... You know, yeah. an unknown land again yeah um, was well, the here be dragons moment isn't it yes. he says you're yeah. about to leave civilised lands yep. you're about to go off the edge of the map exactly oh. that's exactly yes. it which is what that's the the bit I like in these adventure yeah. films <laughs> as you say off the off the map into the unknown but of course the old man goes oh good so <laughs> if it's if it's a track, if it's got stories like that attached to it then we know not many people have been there yeah. so yes. there's a chance of finding gold in, indeed yeah just the entirely practical uh, approach to it <laughs> And then there's the way they get around sort of making the journey uh, entertaining yeah. is because it's really just going off into the desert, the mountains, through the jungle, yeah. which they show. Um, but instead of just showing it, you've got the rather amusing bit of the old man racing ahead yeah. and the other two getting gradually and gradually more knackered yeah. until they're practically crawling on their knees. And they say, the old man must be part goat. Yes. He's going to be part camel too. Because <laughs> he doesn't need water. And then, of course, there's a brilliant scene at the end of a day where the two young men just collapse. Yes. And the old man, is so, he's, he's just cooked some beans. You want some beans? You yeah. some beans. You need some beans. Yeah. And he eats the beans. <laughs> And then he picks up a harmonica and goes... Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just full of life. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course, of course um, cowboys eating beans around a campfire just reminds me of Blazing Saddles. <laughs> <laughs> Another Blazing Saddles. I'm, I'm going to leap ahead here mm. and just talk about the stinking badges <laughs> thing because that's the other thing that's in... I was trying to think, where have I... I knew that phrase before I saw this film. Oh, really? And when I saw the film, I thought, oh, that's where it comes from. And if you don't know... This is the film that has the phrase, often misquoted, which I'm probably going to do now. Badges? We don't need no badges. We don't need no stinking badges. <laughs> no, we don't need no stinking badges. I was trying to remember, where did I hear that first? I think it may have been 2000 AD, something like Robo Hunter. Oh. I can't remember. Someone will probably <clears throat> know who's listening. The other place that I think it was in was Blazing Saddles. Oh, really? Um, that there's a scene where they're queuing up I think they're mercenaries and he's handing out the badges and these Mexicans he says here's your badge and they go badges we don't need no stinking badges mm. and of course when I first saw that film it was one of the early videos I got I think um, I didn't know where that I thought, why is everyone laughing <laughs> <laughs> so obviously it was a, a quite a famous quote from this very film very famous mm. I mean I've seen it in so many places mm. before I actually saw this film yeah. is where it comes from oiga señor we are federales you know the mountain police. If you're the police, where are your badges? Badges? We ain't got no badges. We don't need no badges. I don't have to show you any stinking badges. <laughs> anyway, that was just... Um, we're talking about beans, which yes. is the... The other bits on the journey, I can't remember if that happens before the beans yeah. <laughs> episode, is they find what they think is gold. Yeah. You know, in veins in the rocks, sparkling. Yeah. Uh, but it's fool's gold. Yeah. 
the two Bogart and uh, the young bloke saying look it's just lying around we've made it we've and got- they're pouring water I don't know Bogart's thinking but he's he's pouring water over it to show it yeah. up and wasting and the old man comes back and says and a- says that the water is more precious yeah. than the fool's gold that yeah. they've found I don't know if you... I've, I have had a similar experience. Our dad lives in America, and we've both been out to California to stay with him when we were kids. Yeah. But we've also stayed out with him separately for nine months each, I think. Five months. Mm-hmm. Yours was five. Mine was nine. So mine was in... I went out in 1985, 86. You went... Uh, 1991 or two. So I can't remember if you were here, but I went prospecting for gold with dad once. Did you? Were yeah, you on that trip? I do remember going, and it was—I mean, it wasn't like this, <laughs> <laughs> but we did. It was beautiful. We went up into the mountains and found a stream, and we had one of the pans that yeah, you shake, it's like a sieve. And I found gold, and I said, "Dad, Dad, look, I found gold!" And it was fool's gold. Oh, really? He—he um, he, he knew it straight away. Yeah. I don't think we found any actual gold. Yeah. Uh, and I think if there had been any, it'd probably mm. been long gone. Um, maybe you can find. T- it's more yeah. of a fun hobby to find little bits. But I thought I'd found a nugget. Mm. <laughs> of course, it does prove to be a point that they, an important point they make. The old prospector says that's not gold. Gold in its in the form you'll find it doesn't look like the gold mm. you'll expect. Yeah. it's all in sand. Yes, and of course this is important for the very end. Yeah, where the bandits don't recognise that it's gold they've yeah, got. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As ever, spoilers in this podcast. But, um, <laughs> Um, that's the trouble we want to talk about things ahead I think we should be free to do that because we're just discussing the film so yeah that is important Um, (laughs) um, yeah it looks like sand it's not the exciting shiny golden stuff yeah and and they go through this remember you said how adventure films quite often go through darkness or dark tunnel I think I I wondered if the sort of equivalent here was they have a sandstorm which is kind of disorientating and, and just kind of um, the good thing about that, and I kind of am using it in the Rainbow Orchid myself, where I've got a tunnel they go through. Uh-huh. Uh, volume three, folks. Yeah. Um, but it's useful because it, it takes you off the map. So if anyone following the journey on a map thinking, ah, oh, yes, they're here, now they're here, um, you can lose them yeah. by having this bit where either they go underground yeah. or they get lost. Then, um, although actually they don't get lost, they know where they're going. But um, it is that useful yeah. disorientating bit and then you continue. Yeah, yes. Um, there's the bit where they're crawling on their hands and knees and Dobbs says, let's give up. He's had enough. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, and But we see Howard looking very seriously at the ground, at the dirt. Yeah. And actually, he says, this is the place. Yeah. So, so again, actually, that's it's just like um, in the manual would be king. They're on the point of death. And they sit down to say, right, we're just going to sit here and die. Yes. I suppose that's so, here. They... You know, that's just before they reach the... Uh, is that part of the hero's journey, which I think you studied more than I have? Um, what's his name? Yeah, Campbell? Campbell. Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell. Um, where you... There is a is one of the 12 stages or 10 stages, whatever. There is the bit where you... <laughs> was it too long ago? <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. That. I think it probably is, because I know I've got this idea from somewhere that it is on the point of death. Or giving up. Yeah, or the giving total up. disaster. The absolute... Something comes through. Worst, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it must be. So, I mean, I, I don't know how well, if you if you applied Sierra Madre to that yeah. um, sort of template, how it would stand up. I think that's one of those points that... Um, is is there a point like that in King Kong? I'm just wondering, interested to know if, there's, if it's in all these films, that kind of... 
I mean, it's in many films yeah. where there's the point of total loss, yeah, and then something comes through yeah. to continue on. Um, I mean, it's a very useful storytelling technique, anyway. Mm. Anyway, um, so they, he says this is the place, and I love. There's another funny scene where he's saying how dumb they are. <laughs> yes. So then they start the actual hard work of uh, extracting the gold from a mine. Yeah. I suppose this is the one of the few. It might be the only adventure film we talk about where people work for their. You know, <laughs> mostly you go to you know you go on an adventure to win things through hazard yes. but here they actually win things through hard work through labour <laughs> yeah yeah. so they build this kind of sluice gate mm. thing to run the water through and to yeah. sieve the I presume the dirt away from the heavier yeah. the gold um, and there's a mine where Humphrey Bogart is actually you know attacking the walls with his pick or whatever yes <laughs> yeah yeah and he gets he gets um, the mine collapses on him yeah and that's a great scene because Curtin at first he go his well actually his first uh, instinct is to go in and save him. Yeah. But then he pauses and thinks, yeah. oh, "Hang on, if he's dead, more to share." Yeah. Yeah, the same amount, but to share between two, not three. And the music. This is Max Steiner's music. Yes. It's, <laughs> it's quite ominous as he's thinking that, and then the music changes as he comes to his senses, and his morals win out, and mm. then he goes to save. That I think Dobbs, uh, Humphrey Bogart, at this stage has he already started to show signs of. Greed. He, he's quite early on. Maybe after their first, the first time they're dividing the gold out, he's, yeah. he says, "Oh, how are we going to divide this up?" Yeah. And Howard gives him a look. Mm. He knows <laughs> this is the first sign. He's talking about yeah, yeah, the selfish aspect. Yeah. In fact, there's a lot of talk. It's obviously from Bogart's just his talk that he is prepared to be. He he's suspecting the other two are going to try and take his gold or cheat him and this is obviously the, he's the only one who's talking about that so it's almost yeah. like a sign that he's the one who's thinking about that I mean it develops yeah. he's the first one to go in fact the others are really quite morally upstanding yeah. quite, there's a bit of weakness from Curtin there Yeah. Um, Dobbs is almost the if the, I mean if Curtin it happens to Curtin at all it's because of Dobbs um, yeah. he's, he's his like, manner is yeah. the way he's acting but he you gradually see the his descent into pretty much madness. There's a scene later on where he's well. There's a scene where he's talking to himself. Mm. You know, I know what they're doing. I know what they're they're trying to get me to do. And, and there's another scene later. Actually, it's a lot later when they're leaving. But he's um, he's sitting there rocking on his haunches. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this is gold has turned him mad. Yeah. But but early on, it's just the little signs. You know, what you can do with your lot. So is that fair? And and he starts. Whereas earlier in in the Doss house they were talking about, oh five thousand would be enough for me. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't um, go above that. He's already saying, oh, why don't we go for you know fifty thousand or yeah. seventy five thousand. Mm. And there's also the scene where someone gets up in the night, presumably to go to the toilet, and um, Bogart immediately thinks they're going to find my gold, and so yes. he goes and follows them out, and then someone else follows Bogart out, and you know it's like. They're never going to sleep. The old man says, "You might as well just sleep." <laughs> yes, yes. Um, there's a little bit at the the end of the mine shaft bit where mm. where Dobbs says, "Oh, I owe you my life," and mm. you can see Curtin go, "Yeah, forget it," because he knows what he thought. Yeah, yes. Um, he thought about leaving him there, and mm. that's bothered him. That's really bothered him because it's. I mean, that hasn't come from Dobbs. That's come from himself. So he sees mm. that 
he sees that in himself as well. Maybe that's his check. I don't know if he's yeah. Again, the the rest of it is reacting to Dobbs's greed. I think. Yeah. But you've already talked about the scene where they. Well, yeah, what are you going to do with your it's a game everyone plays yeah. if you won the lottery what would you do yeah. <laughs> they have won the lottery what are mm. they going to do and um, they all talk about well Howard and Curtin talk about quite a happy life they're now going to lead mm. and what they're going to do in fact I love Howard's because he says he's going to spend his time reading comic strips and adventure stories <laughs> uh, which I think I think that's a great way to spend <laughs> your time but also he says he's going to buy himself a grocery store that's yeah, how he's going to do it but it's the simple life for both yeah. of them because Curtin's is the peach farm yeah. and all that but Dobbs is a lot more material and again they give him uh, well Howard certainly gives him a look yeah. no I think they both do um, when he talks about you're really quite trivial things that aren't, don't matter for life um he, he's gonna he's gonna get himself cleaned up he's going to go to a restaurant he'll even he's now rich enough that he can complain he's kind of looking yeah. forward to that and then onto the women mm. uh, they don't doesn't mention he doesn't say you know and then what and he goes well, what do you think yeah <laughs> and then there's a silence and then i think how it says you know it's best not to think about women or yeah. something of course the point with that is that it's not a long-term plan no, exactly. The other two have got, you know, this is going to set me up for life. That's what they're getting this gold for. But Indeed. Bogart, his plan is really, he wants to be rich. Yes. And then, you know, you can never be rich because there's always someone who's richer or there's, there's always an amount that you haven't got. Yes, you know? yeah. It's the money for its own mm. sake. And there's almost a, it's just so he can be better than his fellow man. I mean, he alludes yes. to that with the, the being able to complain in a restaurant. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot about that in... I was thinking about that uh, this week, actually, as I, I went to an event where there were student protesters, and um, there is in this country a very much a jealousy of people who have got more money than you. It doesn't matter how they got it, almost. Some people may have worked their nuts off to, <laughs> to get that money, but it's just, oh, they've got more money, and actually you're fine with your lot. I think yes. that, that's something that's very real, and this film reflects that kind of attitude. You know, just mm. think what you've got, you yeah. know, not what you haven't got. And for Dobbs, what he hasn't got is... Yeah, yeah is, self-esteem. Is, yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, another thing that links this to the man who would be king, and a lot of... And probably many other of these uh, uh, films, adventure stories, is that people look on a place of adventure. It was Kafiristan in The, the Man Who Would Be King. Here it's a place where they can get gold. And they project their dreams onto it. Mm. And really, when they go out there, it's almost like the more unrealistic their dreams, the harder they're going to get hit back right. by when they actually you know, face them. Yes. So the two people who have realistic dreams, they could have escaped, really. But Bogart, just like Sean Connery, who starts to get ideas above his station, it's almost like nemesis or fate is waiting there to clobber them yes yes <laughs> which one of the things i said this is a tragedy i mean it makes it, it does it has that primal feel of like the ancient greek tragedies where it's very much you know it's, you said adventures are man against the elements against nature yeah this is almost like man against the very primal elements of human nature yes you yes know, greed uh, absolutely yeah. insecurity yeah, you yeah. know these things you really feel as though they're tremendous forces and they can hit you hard you know yeah. if you, um... and I think that's something to learn about a good story um, is really having that internal element to the struggle yeah. as well as the internal external element makes for a ripping yarn yes <laughs> um, you can get a film 
And in fact, a lot of summer blockbusters now, the big adventure, yeah. you know, science fiction blockbuster, the reason they're rubbish, despite all the special effects and big stars that are thrown at them, mm-hmm. is because they don't have that internal mm. aspect. Now, most films now are aware of that, and they will throw some cursory example yeah. of it in. Yeah. Um, the lead character will have a drink problem or something, yeah. but it's kind of token. Yes. Um, but when it's an integral part of the story... Mm. Uh, an equally important part with the external adventure yeah. I think that's when you've really got a potent um, recipe yeah. for a fantastic adventure yeah. you feel as though the story has grown out of that yes that primal whatever it is that primal confrontation rather yes, than yeah. it's been transplanted onto it or yeah and that's a very important part of it that it's a natural outcome mm. of of the person's internal struggles mm. uh, affects their actions um, and that affects what you know, yeah. th- what happens to them, <laughs> their fate. Um, I mean, I think we said in the last one, yeah, these are the two John Houston films, and they're both it's it's really stories of greed in the end. That's mm. greed, and that's the same here. Um, Curtin goes to town and meets Cody, who's yes. another main character. Now we're we're kind of invested in our three characters really mm. already. So when we meet Cody, he's an outsider, and he never really joins the group. But he, d- I mean, uh, there's 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 an excellent scene where they decide to kill him. I mean, yes. he comes up after them. Um, they're denying they're looking for gold, saying they're hunters. He knows what they're really there for. Yeah, you know, let me in on it. I won't ask for what you've earned, a quarter of what you've earned so far. Just from now on. Yeah. Um, he offers them three choices that they could take. The first choice is to kill him, and that's the one they decide on. Yeah. When they go to do the deed, he says, well, before you do it, look down there, and the bandits are arriving. Yeah. And he joins... I'm just explaining this to, <laughs> to kind of get the background. He joins them in fighting the bandits. This yeah. is where we get the, uh, we don't need our stinking badges yeah. <laughs> line. Um, he gets killed in the fight. And then there's this poignant, poignant scene. Mm. Um, I mean, lump in the throat stuff where they read out... I mean, it's a bit obviously expositional, but who cares? Yeah. And they open his wallet and see the letter from his wife. Oh, I know you'll be coming back to me. Um, I mean, she's saying all the... And it's another lesson of the story, saying how... Um, yeah, I wrote it down. She says, no material treasure is worth this separation. Exactly, yes. So yes. She's saying, all the gold in the world doesn't matter because it's keeping us apart. And it also gives a curtain... Uh, I think he, I don't know if he does it there, but later on he's, he decides mm. he's going to um, take that stuff back to Cody's widow. Yeah. And he's got a son as well. He's got. A, doesn't she say she's on a farm or something? Yes, yes, she's on a farm so in Texas and. It fits in with his. Little Jimmy, dreams. little Jimmy is hoping you'll come <laughs> home. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank God, I mean, if they'd have shot him and then found out the points would have been. Yes. I mean, that would have been kind of more interesting in a way, but, yeah. but then we wouldn't have thought there'd be no heroes within mm. the trio. So luckily, he. Luckily, <laughs> he got killed by the bandidos instead. Yeah, I was quite surprised actually that they. I knew Bogart would say kill him, but I was surprised when the old man agreed to that. But I suppose it makes it a bit more realistic and hard hitting. Yes, know? yes, you're right. So then the federales, the Mexican police, police or, or army <clears throat> or military police, um, they chase the bandits away, so they're they're on again, and uh, they. Now they decide. I'm just reading Isn't my notes. Here. About this point, that they decide they've got enough. Yeah, that's what I was just even, thinking. Even Bogart's character says, "We've got enough. Let's go." And that seems like the most surprising thing from his character. Yes, I think uh, they've got thirty-five thousand dollars. 
I presume each mm. by then and yeah it is a bit of a surprise when Dobbs says I'm happy with that and you yeah. think because oh, you know, how long was he going to go on wanting more and more but I suppose it could be <coughs> faced with the idea of death because they've got a dead corpse you know <laughs> yeah a would-be prospector who's dead mm. so they could easily say oh that could have been me yeah. let's, let's go it's getting dangerous and on the way home uh, they meet some well some uh, Mexican villagers come out to find them because mm. they've got a boy who's fallen in the river and hasn't woken up and Howard goes and resuscitates him yeah there's another telling scene so he, having resuscitated him he join, rejoins the others having entrusted his gold to them yes almost no problem he he trusts them implicitly although I think I think Dobbs says does he suggest while he's away you know we could what, a, what an idiot we could run yeah. away I don't know if that's later um, he joins up with them but the Mexicans come back and say no you've got to come and stay yeah, with us or, we've got to thank you yeah. this is I'll catch you up later but there's a brilliant scene where Dobbs goes up to them and says um, oh, t- tell him he doesn't need to thank us you know us as if he yeah. did anything he <laughs> didn't do anything at all you know, oh yeah, yeah no, you don't need to thank us yeah. it was um, it's all the old Howard man. who had done it all yeah <laughs> But he ends up staying and finding paradise. Yes. <laughs> Pretty much. The the light, he finds the true treasure. <laughs> yeah. In fact, it's interesting you say paradise because there's a scene not too long afterwards where Humphrey Bogart is sitting in front of a campfire and the flames slowly rise up. And I thought, I wrote down the flames um, of hell. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it's obviously, you know, he's in hell at that point. Yes. Because at that point, he starts thinking, I think Bogart has probably started thinking by this point, We'll take the old man's gold now that he's oh, definitely, gone. he's definitely thought it by yeah. then. Um, by then, he's he's starting to think he's going to want curtains as well. Yes, yeah. This is the uh, point where everything starts breaking down. Yeah, and I can't remember how long it is until they start fighting or why they start fighting. Yeah, I mean that campfire scene, and that's the one where he's rocking. Yeah, and curtains watching him, thinking he's lost it. <laughs> Something about a gun. One of them hasn't got a gun. Well, um, Dobbs stands up and points his gun at him and they they fight and Curtin gets both guns yes and then Dobbs but then um, he can't go to sleep because he knows yeah well the interesting thing is Dobbs was was ready to kill Curtin but Curtin even when he has the two guns is still on moral high ground and he actually gives him his gun back although he takes the bullets out yeah Um, but he's not I mean that was his chance to shoot him and go yeah probably should have (laughs) yes but um, he's still it shows he's still a moral character and he wants to look after the old man Dobbs has definitely thought by now yeah "Yeah, let's take it so yeah now they're travelling along with not an inch of trust between them yeah Um, and in fact Dobbs eventually shoots Curtain. Curtain. He takes yeah. him off behind a tree. We don't. We just hear two bangs. Yeah. And then, so, you know, another great scene. They come back and. Yeah. So Dobbs is now on his own, and now, I don't know if you noticed this when he goes back in the morning. There's there's a great scene where he's wrestling. Shall, shall I bury him? Or I don't know if I can look at him. His eyes might be open. Yeah. Eventually, he thinks of oh, the buzzards. Oh, the buzzards will get him. They think, oh no, the buzzards will be circling. People will know there's a body there. So he decides to go back, and Curtain's gone. Yes. He'd survived the shooting and has dragged himself off in the night. And Bogart is hunting around for him, trips, and you see for a minute the camera follows him. You see the studio in the background. Did you oh, notice I didn't that? I see that. It's no. so blatant. I've spotted it. I'm like <laughs> noticing as he sings. You see this machine and yeah. this cable coming from it. So the jungle, totally the jungle. It's not, it's not the jungle. They're in a studio. <laughs> yeah, if you see that bit again, he trips <laughs> and you see, you see, I mean, it's so blatant. <laughs> I thought 
But <laughs> in the editing, they obviously didn't get it. Maybe they thought mm. oh, maybe Bogart was making some other film by then. They couldn't reshoot it. Yeah. But, oh no, no, notice. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's really yeah. You mm. can see it in the corner. Anyway, um, but uh, I mean Dobbs is carrying on with all these donkeys, all the gold. Yeah. Um, but he's parched. He's on his hands and knees. Yeah. He eventually finds a pool of water and then into the reflection come three bandidos. Yes. (laughs) This is, it's a brilliant sort of scene where you know, I don't know why it's so tense because you know the bandits don't know that he's got gold. They don't even recognise him. Not at first. Yeah. Do I know you? You just, yeah, (laughs) it's so tense because you know that you're just waiting for the moment when they realise. This is the guy with the gold hat. Yes. uh, And his two, I mean, now they've got no weapons. They've obviously... I guess they've escaped from the Federales at, mm. at some point. And Bogart tries to say, oh, look, would you... I'll give you a job if you help me with these mules, get them back to town. Mm. And he says, because I'm a hunter and they, they've got, he's got some hides on yeah, the yeah. mule. So. Yeah. And That's to hide the, the gold. gold yeah. and it's their cover story, isn't it? But obviously these are bandits. They're quite lazy and they're used to just <laughs> taking what they want. And so they... They decide they want... To, they start to take his boots and the hide. They say, "We, you know, why don't we just take your donkeys?" But yeah. the, the the one in the gold hat does recognise him. You're the man in the hole. <laughs> um, now they take his boots. Yeah. In uh, the man who would be king, there's that early scene where the two, you know, um, Peachy and Dramit. Danny Drabbit meet some oh, yes, natives, the, the Afghans, and yeah. they they want to take their boots. Yes, <laughs> oh, it's a com- yeah, boots. What a commodity! It's funny, in this if you're going on an adventure into a place where no white man has never been, take plenty of boots. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this film does seem to point to several things which are more valuable than gold: yes. red water, yeah. boots, guns, and also at this point in the film, it's um, companions you can trust. Yes, <laughs> Stobbs hasn't got. No, no, yeah. no. Um, and also, also the life-saving abilities of the old man, you know. Yeah, so the bandits take the... For them, the wealth is the hides. They see the bags of gold, but they think they're just sand. Yeah. Um, to They think it's sand to weigh down the hides to make them seem as though... Because yes. I, guess, I guess hides are well, valued no, by their weight. Um, but they take the mules back. Unfortunately, they try to sell them back to the person that uh, Dobbs and Howard bought the mules off in the first place, and they recognised them. Yes. And villagers around there don't take kindly to bandits, um, so they're shopped to the Federalis. And to round off, Curtin, who's made it to, has, is found by the Mexicans and taken to Howard in his paradise, yeah. is patched up, and they go after Dobbs, but it's too late. And they realise that the money's, yeah. I mean, it's, the sand has been spread into the dirt. At this point, a wind comes up. A wind comes, and you see it being blown away. Yeah. And then the, there's a brilliant ending as Curtin and, and Howard realise what's happened and just laugh. That's the only yeah. thing they can do. Brilliant laugh from Howard. It, it, it looks so natural. That I, I don't know if you were, but I was laughing as well. Yes, yeah. You can't <laughs> help it because it's... No. It's genuinely funny. Yeah. <laughs> you do think, oh my God. Actually, it's like the man will be king again. There's that laugh in the face of death, but that's before they reach the yes. fiery slam. Yes, yeah. Good um, point, yeah. Uh, Curtin says... Uh, the worst ain't so bad when it finally happens. Yes, uh, which is 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 a great a great bit. The the other thing he says um, is they're better off than he's better off than Dobbs. Yeah, yeah, we've got we haven't got the gold, but we're better off than Dobbs. Yeah, <laughs> and again, those vital things that are so important, you know, wealth, mm. nice, but <laughs> not important. I think there's a feeling in this sort of film where people go for gold, 
but they come back and really what they've gained is an experience yeah and it might just be that having faced death or the primal forces of life they've learned what life's really about what it's really worth and you get the feeling that um, Curtin, the young character, is really going to go home and make a go of it with this farm, with this dream. He's going to have a, a proper normal life, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely learnt from the experience. Whereas Dobbs, you think, you just know he'd have spent all that money. If he'd ever got back to civilization, he'd have spent all that money and he'd have been begging. He'd, been, he'd have been back where he was and, yeah. and he'd had to do it again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, which may be the life story of, of um, Howard. Uh, because yes. he's obviously been gold. He, I mean, maybe he's never found that much before, but he'd found gold, and it it got him his ticket home and enough to make him better from the uh, disease he yes. got or something. Mm. Howard has got his paradise to go back to, mm. and Curtin is going to go and find the widow living on the fruit farm, which is what he wanted anyway. Mm. Let's hope the widow likes him. <laughs> I think I think you can kind of guess that. Yeah, you know, he's a young, handsome chap. Yeah. Um, and he can. He was nice to Cody. Um, I was interesting thing about Cody. I forgot to include when talking about him. He was an Olympic shot putter. Really, he doesn't look like one, does he? No. Um, but uh, in the thirties, I think. And the other thing is, his real name was Herman Bricks. I think he was cast as. He, he was used a pseudonym of Bruce Bennett in this film. But he also played Tarzan. Oh. Um, not in the MGM series, which was Johnny Wisemuller, mm. but but in the. I think one some Burroughs um, sanctioned TV series or film series, oh, right. uh, you know, like, like a Saturday morning yeah. serial type. Thing. I think he yeah. he played uh, Tarzan. Oh, really? Yeah. And the other interesting thing about this was um, it was the first Hollywood film to be filmed almost entirely on location outside of the US. Yeah. Although there are the studio shots as yes. as seen. <laughs> um, uh, there's a lot of location shooting. Yeah. Um, so that's I think is that basically the film. Yes. Up there. Yeah. <laughs> We've done justice to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, laugh, Curtin, old boy. It's a great joke played on us by the Lord or fate or nature, whatever you prefer. But whoever or whatever played it certainly had a sense of humor. <laughs> the gold has gone back. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, I must say. I did feel as though the middle... I wasn't sure where things were going to go. Yeah. Um, But you had a sense... I think you just knew that things were going to go downhill. (laughs) There's no lull in the film, is there? No. It's it's a tight script. Um, It sticks pretty closely to the original book, Mm. uh, from what I've read. You read the plot of the book, and it's the same as the plot of the film. Mm. But... uh, Another great adventure yes. story. I mean, it's definitely that boy's own, if I can use that term, kind of adventure. Yeah. Uh, Wild West type stuff as well. But um, there is is the moral. Yeah. Actually, it's interesting. All three films we've covered so far, everyone loses what they go to try and find. You know, Kong dies. <laughs> yes. Um, Peachy and Dravit die. Oh, Peachy comes back, but um, he's mutilated, yeah. And here they don't get the gold. No. But but they do have the adventure. (laughs) Yes. Now, do they all find... uh, I mean, in this one... Yeah. um, uh, uh, Curtin and Howard find 
they do find something. They've yeah, they got find something of true worth. Yes, that's exactly, that's mm. exactly it. Um, it. Doesn't really happen. The man who would be king. No. Um, the viewer does. Yes. The viewer does in yeah. these films. I'm not sure that's true of King Kong. No. Particularly, I guess don't don't mess with nature. Yeah. <laughs> don't take giant gorillas off uh, yeah. islands with skulls. Shape, mountains the shape of skulls. Yeah. Uh, don't don't even go to mountains with the shapes of yes. um, islands with mountains with the shapes of skulls. <laughs> is the moral of that one. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we'll have to see if this develops into a theme. Yes. So yeah. what, what is the next film? The next film. Oh, now the next film is probably one of my favourites of the ten which is Hidden Fortress ah yes Akira Kurosawa is my favourite director I'm obsessed slightly obsessed <laughs> with Kurosawa a lot of people would have heard of this film because it's it's one of the films that um, some people say was an inspiration for Star Wars mm. certainly I think it had quite a few elements that were an influence on Star Wars anyway yeah have you seen Hidden Fortress before? yeah I saw it with you yeah, yeah. right uh, yeah, it's one of my absolute favourite adventure films. And in fact, it's actually was the film that made me want to do this. Oh, really? Because I saw uh, Hidden Fortress earlier this year for the nth time. <sighs> I thought, that's such a good, just a cracking adventure film. Because Kurosawa, he used to adapt a lot of his stuff from yeah. novels, uh, Shakespeare plays. Mm. This one he wrote as a pure adventure film. Mm. And that got me thinking about my favourite adventure films blah 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 right. so yes I'm really looking forward to that one um, and that's so that's 1958 and I was going to say thank you well thank you for listening to this mm, um, thank you. podcast and it'll be up on the blog once it's edited by the time you're listening to this it'll be already edited <laughs> up on the blog so you don't need to know that um, if you haven't seen any of these films um, we've got some links to Amazon UK uh, where they're all on DVD. As I say, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre is in a Bogart box set, but it's not expensive, and you get four fantastic films. Yeah, the other thing I wanted to say is uh, thanks for leaving comments on the blog. Yes, uh, the reason we uh, did this on a, um, a Blogspot blog was so that we could receive comments, and we're really grateful for those. So keep um, commenting and let us know what you think of the podcast, what you know of... What, um, more importantly really what you think of the films because um, that's really interesting and also uh, we've had a few sort of corrections on things we've got wrong and uh, so I put those up uh, if you look I mean not too bad luckily but if you do notice anything that we've got wrong please let us know because we'll put that as a little note under the um, recording so I think that's it for yeah. the uh, Sierra Madre we'll, we'll leave Mexico and uh, yeah. we'll we'll join you again next time in um, feudal Japan <laughs> <laughs> bye then Beans. You want some beans? Going to some mighty rough country tomorrow, you better have some beans. <laughs>